0: Hello there, and welcome once again to Insight Peterborough. I'm Devin Wilkins. Insight Peterborough is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And if you'd like to get more information about the CCB, either nationally and most uh, especially locally, you can email... CCB Peterborough at gmail dot com. That's CCB Peterborough at gmail.com. Well this is the first Monday of July. So we're going to be once again chatting with Tim Kilpatrick. And she is a program coordinator with Get Together with Technology, which is a wing of the CCB. And uh, before we get talking about global positioning systems, I want to put emphasis on a point that I don't want you to forget. Uh, So uh, at the end, we mention it, but I'll mention it here at the beginning. We're hoping that in August, we'll have questions about technology from you, our listeners. It might be something like, how do I delete texts from my phone? How do I, um, let me think, um, how do I attach something to... uh, a word document or an email i should say how do i attach uh, something to an email uh, you could have any number of questions and we're hoping that if you send us those questions or if you send me those questions i can pass them along to kim and uh, together we can go through them in august and it doesn't have to be just august Uh, If we run out of time, well, then we'll plan another question show a little bit uh, further on down the calendar. So, if you send those questions to me at InsightPeterborough at gmail.com. That's Insight, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, Peterborough, p e t e r B-O-R-O-U-G-H, at gmail.com. I'll send those questions along to Kim. All right. As I say, we're going to be talking about global positioning systems. Here we go. Well, hi there, Kim, and how are you this month?
1: Uh, Fine, it's it's very hot these days, Uh, and I guess we're all in that, a lot of us are in that, but we're in the summertime.
0: So I guess it's to be expected.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. By the time people hear this, Canada Day will be over, but uh, I was thinking that because it's such a nice um, summer and uh, people will be traveling, Hither and yon. Now that things are open a little bit more, um, that we could talk about GPS uh, or GPSs.
1: I, I think you know what. Got me, when you mentioned this to me, uh, we were having a one of our GTT calls, and a lot of people were talking also about how anxious they are to go back out. How anxious they are about going back out is what I mean. So that. It's like, oh, my. Maybe my mobility is a bit less than it was, or maybe I forget where these things are, or where the bus stops are, or where, you know. So it's almost like I can, I feel it too a bit. Like where, you know, we haven't done these things for a while, perhaps, unless um, we had to. So, mm. like essential workers have to, of course, but maybe a lot of us haven't. And I know I've been working from home, so I haven't done the usual things that I, you know, would normally do. Yes. Which would involve these, some of these types of apps and systems. Right. And so um, it got me to thinking about them and that maybe we need them, maybe we'll need them even more than we did before because the other part of it is there seem to be fewer people out and about, right, to ask? Yes. Or they aren't coming up to us as much, like I've, I noticed when I am out. You know, before times, before COVID, so many people come up. Do you need any help? Do you want any help across the street? Do you want something, you know, whatever, talking to you and us? Yeah. Which is good and bad <laughs> sometimes. But um, nowadays, it seems like people aren't doing that as much. And I think it's partly because we're all trying to social distance and maybe, and there are fewer people maybe moving around. Um, so sometimes, some of the old-fashioned ways that we rely on to get help out and about may not be quite as available as they were before COVID. Yeah. So that's another part of it that makes me think about some of the um, apps and and systems that
0: you can, you can use. Mm-hmm. The only um, GPS that I ever really had anything to do with is... Uh, I have a Trekker Breeze.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: So that was a while ago.
1: So the Trekker Breeze, and, and, and Humanware was one of the companies that really pioneered um, these DPS systems. Because I remember trying, even before the Trekker Breeze, there was something called, I hmm, can't remember the name of it exactly, but it, it, it had about five that's uh-huh. like a- In it is a GPS unit, so you could use it to read and do all those things that you do with your screen. But it also is GPS, and I haven't used it myself, so I can't tell you um, how good it is. Like what whether yeah. it's good, but I do know some people some people do use that uh, that system to get around and um, will give you you know verbal directions about where you're headed. And, you, know, yes. you can look up places and get it to tell you, uh, you know, as you're going where you are. So definitely that's one uh, That's one solution. Um, our smartphones now have a lot of apps that we can use. Uh, so for the mainstream type of apps, there's Google Maps and Apple Maps, say if you're using an iPhone, definitely. Right. Um, they are good, and definitely if you're out, you can ask Siri at any time, where am I, and it'll try to give you, you know, your nearest address, which which can be quite handy if you're kind of walking around and think you're close to something. Yes. Um, and they are good. They're mainstream. They're updated. The maps are updated. Um, the one thing I don't like about them, so say if you get directions from Google Maps or Apple Maps, it'll say something like in 800 meters you're going to turn left on, you know, so-and-so's main street
0: Yeah.
1: But that doesn't tell you how many blocks that is. Like yes. for those of us that can't see, we... We kind of need to know what blocks we're going by. We kind of need to know, like, don't just tell me 800 meters. I mean, that is useful, but I'd like to know how many streets, like, in 10 blocks you're going to turn left or after so and so street, or it's going to, you want something to call out the streets as you're walking past them, you know, so you don't get go past it or something like that. Yes. So that's the one harmful, like, the thing I don't like about it, but definitely if you're walking, it can be pretty close telling you the turn. Like, you know, it could say, okay, turn last year or something like that. Um, it also doesn't tell you what the intersections are, whether they're stopped or lighted. And oh, dear. Whether, you know, yeah. uh, so things like that, that sighted of people don't really need to know that we need to know, are not included in those type of those type of things. But they can be quite useful, though, if, if you if you just ask for walking directions and they'll tell you the turn map. So it's in a, if it's in a familiar area and you want to try out um, Google Maps or Apple Maps, it's free. So, you know, and, and Apple Maps is already on your iPhone, but you can easily get uh, put Google Maps on there and uh, you can you can do it that way. So that's, that's kind of a mainstream way that a lot of people are using uh, with their phones. Uh, and then there's also some mainstream apps that help with transit. So those can be very useful because they will um, tell you what times buses go by and um, what buses come to what stop, you know, if you're at a stop. Um, and they'll tell you when you're on the bus, you can set them to tell you, like if you tell them what stop you want to get off, they'll tell you, you know, three stops before, two stops before, them, they'll say, this is your stop. So. Those acts, um, and the most two common ones that are around are called transit or move it. And move it is M-O-O-V-I-T, move it. Oh. <coughs> transit. So those two are, one or the other of them, sometimes both, are in a lot of communities around the world. hmm So we can definitely um, use transit or move it. Um and those are both free apps. You would just need to download the map, uh, like pick your city or whatever, and it will tell you, okay, you know, it's going to download the map for that city, whatever right. your city is. And then if you go somewhere else, they may be on there too. So those are mainstream apps that I find that are very helpful, um, yeah. the two transit apps. And sometimes your city will have its own. Right. Uh, it's own transit app, and it, it, that could also be helpful. Yes. Um, the other one that can be helpful, uh, and this isn't walking around stuff, but that's mainstream would be any of your local taxi companies or your para may have an app.
0: Ah. Uh,
1: not everyone, certainly our para doesn't have an app, but I've heard that some um our cab company does have an app, but it's not the most accessible one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Some people say their cab company apps are very accessible. Oh, yeah. And that can help in that, you know, if you book one, and even if you book a cab using your cell phone, I find I get a text from the cab company that would say, you know, so-and-so, your driver is almost here. Oh, okay. But you're not sort of standing out in the rain or the snow or something. Yes. You know, find them. So those can be beneficial, and also any city that has Uber or Lyft, those are the ride-sharing services. Those apps are totally accessible, and you actually pay um, within the app, so you're not actually handing money. You know how much it's going to be, you know, some of those things. They're not DPS, but they're mainstream sort of traveling traveling apps that can yes. you know, can really help people getting out about again. Sure. Um, so I thought I would mention those before we got into sort of talking
0: about about um, more specialized kind of GPS. Yes. Uh, okay. And then there's something like Blind Square.
1: Oh, yes. So I am going to mention a free one first, uh, which is available on iOS. And it's called Microsoft. It's by Microsoft. And it's called Soundscape.
0: Oh, yes. I've heard about that. So it
1: is a totally free app. And it, it isn't supposed to give you turn by turn, but it's supposed to tell you what's in your vicinity as you're moving around. Okay. And it's quite although you have to be wearing something with uh, like two earbuds in or a noise-canceling headphone or a speaker or something because the cool part about it is if something is on your right-hand side, you'll only you'll hear it in your right ear. Oh, yeah. So if, you know, a restaurant's on your right side, so that way if you're not good with directions, like you know exactly which side it is. Right, um, okay. If it's straight ahead, you'll hear it in both ears. Like if you're crossing a street, it'll tell you what street you're crossing. It'll say, so-and-so street, continue straight ahead. So-and-so street to your left. So-and-so street to your right. And it, you'll hear it in different ears. Oh, yes. okay. So, but that's only good if you want to, if you have something that you can use safely um, in both ears. Now, when I've used it, I've used it when I've been guided by other people, like, say, when you're on vacation. Oh, yeah. And I would put it in both ears, and then I would tell them what, what street we were crossing, where we were, you know, what was around us, all that kind of stuff. I yeah. used it then. I've also used it, because um, if you point your phone and you ask it for the next street straight ahead, sort of like, you oh. know, you can sort of ask it for the next landmark, for the next intersection. Mm-hmm. So if you're lost, if you're kind of turned around, if you're not sure where you are, it's a, it's a handy app for sure because you can, uh, you know, you can do that. You can set markers like your house, and you know, you can set markers even in a park or someplace like that, and, yeah. and get back to them. So it is a really good app, and you can play with it inside your house. Oh. You can simulate places. So mm-hmm. say if you think if you're gonna go somewhere. You could be in your house right now, and you could say, oh, I'm going to go to Ottawa. I want to know, you know, downtown Ottawa. I want to know, you know, what's around Parliament Hill or something. What's around this museum?" And you can simulate it, mm-hmm. and it'll tell you, okay, you're at the next corner. Say if you want to turn left, turn right, go, and it'll be telling you, like, what's around you. So it's a cool, cool free app, and it's it's a really good way of, getting to know a place even before you go there. So, like, that that's, a, that's one thing I do really like about landscape. And it, it is really neat, like, when you're walking and it's sort of creepy at you <laughs> hear a voice, like, almost it feels like they're at your shoulder telling you something, and, and you're like, where did that come from? What is that? Because it, it's very realistic, you know, yes. the way uh, it sounds in one ear or the other, a both, or kind of behind you, if the thing is behind you, it almost sounds like it's, behind you. And, wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And now would you use bone conduction here, uh, headphones for that?
1: I would, yes. Because I, yes. I don't like to have anything blocking my ears as little as I possibly can. So yeah. I would probably use Aftershock or, you know, something like it. Um, even there are there are some things that are like glasses where the arms are like speakers, so the most expensive one of those are the Bose frames. But I know someone who got some on Amazon that cost, you know, 40 or $50, and maybe their sound isn't quite as good as that, but, um, you know, you can definitely find things that yes. you could use for those type of situations where you, you know, you want to keep your ears clear and, um, and you want to, you know, you want to still move around but keep your ears clear. Yes. So, so soundscape is one of the. That's a free one, and I, I find I find it very good, very valuable mm-hmm. in a lot of situations. So, and it, it is really good about telling you what streets, and it'll tell you if it's a two-way street or a one-way street. You know, like it, those type of things that we need to know. It definitely,
0: it definitely does. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I do find that quite good.
1: Um, so the other one that a lot of people use is Blind Square, and uh, it's not free. I can't remember. I bought it so long ago that I can't remember. But I think it's like you know thirty dollars Canadian or something like that. And it too is really good. It lets you simulate locations. Um, it tells you things that are around you you know, sometimes even bus stops or, like, you know, stores and things like that. Yeah. And um, it's pretty easy to use. It's, it's very – it was designed, you know, for, for blind people to use it. So Yeah. Um, it's a good app for sure. Um, and it, it keeps integrating new things. I think it integrates some of the transit apps I mentioned. Uh, I don't know if it does yet, but they were talking about it integrating – be my eyes are one of these virtual assistants into right mm-hmm. into the app. So I'm not sure. If, haven't opened. I haven't opened a lot of. I did open them briefly when we were going to talk about this because I really haven't opened them.
0: Oh yeah. On,
1: you know my my apps because I haven't had to. Haven't had to use them.
0: No. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: I I, I do want to say though, like I really caution people about trusting it to the extent of not thinking about not using your ears and your other senses and your mobility skills. Oh yes. Because it like everything else, it's not it won't take you right to the door of a building. Like it'll get you pretty close, but you then still have to you know feel around for it or ask someone or um and and just I think sometimes people rely on them so much and they're listening to them so much that they're not listening you know, to where they are or to the traffic pattern or smell the bakery, oh, that means I have to turn right. You know, it's almost like we get so fixated on this particular app telling us what to do that we don't think about our mobility. So, I mean, I guess it's a bit shocking for me to say, this, but I tend to put my phone away when I'm out. I don't tend to leave it um, jamming all the time. Oh, yeah. I, I prefer to concentrate on my mobility and on my my cane or my dog or whatever I'm using to get around it. And, and then if I'm lost or stuck or if I'm, you know, looking for the bus stop or if I'm looking for a building, that's when I might then pull it out and check. Oh, yes. I just feel now maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I, <laughs> I prefer to do it that way, except when I'm on vacation. Like I said, if I'm being guided along somewhere, yeah. In an unfamiliar place, I will. I will have these apps on because it's almost like sightseeing, you know, like I yeah. can listen and I can say, oh, there's ice cream store across there. And they'll yeah. say, what? And then they'll look and see, you know, or, you know, that I could mark the hotel or place we're staying or someone's house we're staying so I can feel more comfortable, um, you know, knowing when we're getting closed. Yes. So that's when I tend to use it. I. I will sometimes use the transit app when I'm on transit, but I tend to use them sparingly because I guess like sighted people, you know, walking and staring at their phones and then they're running into things, yes. people are, or you know, drivers are distracted, or bikers are distracted, or um, I think we can get like that, and it can be, it could be quite dangerous. Like I, I don't know. I just feel that to myself that I.
0: Yeah, it's always nice to feel in control of your situation.
1: Yeah, and I'd be really interested if there was ever a study, because I feel like if I'm playing around with my phone, I wasn't paying as much attention maybe to my dog, you know? like Oh, yes. I don't mean, like, you know, but just even are you praising them as much or are you distracted so you're not actually... You know, seeing if they're grabbing something off the ground or checking something or doing... You know, so I yes. tend to kind of not. You know, when I'm working a dog, I tend to work the dog and focus on that and focus on the movement of the dog and and even more with the cane. Like now I'm back to a cane, I find um, I really have to focus. I yes. don't think I could have a GPS going on in my <laughs> in my head Sorry, <laughs> trying to use a cane. So yeah. I think you have to be careful. You have to use all of these things. Um, what I sometimes like to do is check them out at home, like simulate a location and then know how many blocks it is. And then I could even, you know, rail that down or, or write that somewhere or just keep a note for myself about that so that I've done it ahead of time. I've kind of looked up, okay, how many blocks is it from the bus stop to here? And, how many streets do I have to cross so that when I actually am doing it that I'm I'm really doing it, I'm not I'm not using that for um, you know,
0: that purpose. Yeah, totally dependent on it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's just my I mean, some people I know do use it all the time. They use apps all the time and they feel comfortable with that, but I just I don't know, I just don't really myself.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: There is a similar app to Soundscape for Android called Lookout, which I think is kind of similar, but I don't know.
0: Lookout, did you say? Did you call it Lookout?
1: Lookout, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So I don't know much about it. Um, The other apps I'll mention definitely that you can help with your travel would be Ira, which is a paid um, subscription app, but also Be My Eyes. Uh Uh-huh. So, be my eyes is on Android and iOS, and it is a platform where, when you call, you get a volunteer. I don't know if you've used be my I, eyes. I haven't yet. Um, but I've used it lots of times, like to get someone a volunteer. So it would be a volunteer. So you you have to take what they tell you, yeah, like you would any member of the public. But I've used it, you know, to give get these directions on boxes or cans or bags of things or. Sure. I did use it one time. I was out once, and I was out on a weekend, and I was I was working my dog, and it was there was a construction site that I came upon, and of course, there's no one there because it's a weekend, right? And it was all barricaded off, but I didn't know whether I was safe to walk out on the road. Like sometimes, you know, the road has barricades; you could walk on the road, or I wasn't sure could I walk on the grass, you know, to the left of it, or yeah. Should I just go to another block? Like, you know, I just didn't know, and right. no one was around.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I did use Be My Eyes. So it's a pre-call, it's like a video call on your phone, so the person sees through the camera on your phone like a video call. They see what, what's around you. So I called, and I said, you know, I'm in this construction place, and I'm not sure what to do. It was a guy from, like, Ireland or something. France. Wow. And then he's like, Oh, yes, you can walk on the road because there's a barrier, like, between you and the car. So we went down on the road, and then I was holding my phone in my hand, and I was talking to him and saying, hey, can I go up now? And, like, no, no, it's still in the construction. And then when I could go on the sidewalk, I said, do you see any more up ahead? Is there anything up ahead? Can you see that? And that did work really well. Like, that was um, sort of a, a getting an assistant from a person. Yeah. I could see. The video of your phone. So that is also something to keep in mind. The other thing I have done too is FaceTime someone cited that I trust.
0: Oh yes. So if you
1: have cited friends that you trust. You could FaceTime video them and say, "Here, yeah, I think I'm at the bus stop, but I don't know. Like, can you see anything? Can you see the shelter, or can you see, you know?" So someone you trust that knows you, you could call them. Yeah. You'll call and get them to take a peek. Uh, around, mm-hmm. um, Or sometimes if I'm getting close to someone's house, when back in the day when we, <laughs> we could visit someone's house, sometimes just call them on the phone and I say, I think I'm really close. Could you look out and tell me if you see me? Yeah. Almost like air traffic controlling you in, right? Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, I see you. You're about half a block. Okay, you're going to turn in now. You know, like they're on yeah. the phone with you and they're telling you. How to get the last little bit of the way? Yeah, sure. Um, I find that helps too. Like that can be very useful sometimes. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's so good. there's all kinds of ways to use your technology to help you when you're in a um, a tight spot. But none of them are ever a place for good mobility training. Um, Sometimes people, when they're losing their vision, will say to me, Well, if I just use the apps, I don't need to use a cane, right? Or I don't need to use, oh.
0: you
1: know, yeah. Um, no, you have to know your skills. Like, there's it's not going to help you, um, it's not going to tell you that, that you're not going to trip off the curb. If That's you right, use cane properly or a dog properly. Or, um, so you really need to know your skills. There's no getting around that. No, this is just helping you along the way, yeah. Um, With knowing things that are on your route. Yes. And also, like, maybe getting some assistance along your way of travel. That's what I view them as, but it's definitely not. We haven't gotten to the point where there's something that's like an assistance that can just take you. No. No. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for this. This Well, that was an interesting topic, and... I'd be really interested from your listeners to know because there were really two schools of thought when we were talking about this. Um, Some people are scared to go out because we've been told to stay in for so long. It's like an anxiety. Like, they know they want to go out, but they don't. But they're scared. Like, okay, how much do I do this, and where do I go first? And what about all the stuff that's in place, like the. Single aisles, like when I was going to get my second dose vaccine a couple weeks ago, Uh I ended up walking up the pharmacy aisle that was the other way. Oh yes, yeah. Not that anyone said. This lady said, "Oh, you're in the wrong lane," or but just as a joke, you know kind of thing. And I, you know, some of these things are complicated, so people are feeling nervous and they feel their skills are maybe not what they were.
0: Right.
1: Um, And other people are just raring to go. Like yes. want to be out there, they're ready to go. I'm somewhere in the middle, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: I think I'm somewhere in the middle of that. I'm not terrified to go out, but I'm not, I am a little bit nervous to yes. go out, not because of my mobility so much as just because we've been told to stay in and I don't want to be in a crowded place or, you know, with, with no. a bunch of people, You know, I've had my second dose now. I don't, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Yeah. 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 So I'd be curious if, you know, if people do have anything to
0: say about that or anything else they can let us know. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I was hoping that we'd get some questions like we asked for last month, but never heard anything. So I'm thinking that I might uh, uh, go actively looking for questions.
1: What's yeah, it? yeah. So if people do have a topics that they want to have us, Go over, explain. There's no dumb question or there's no dumb topic. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just ask us for, for
0: it. We would love that. Yeah, definitely. InsightPeterborough at gmail.com. Okay. And then I will share them with you, Kim, and uh, okay. <clears throat> so that you won't be totally uh, <laughs> caught by surprise. And uh, uh, hopefully, I thought I might... Uh, even ask people on the uh, Get Together With Technology list. Tell them what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: if people have a, yeah, we definitely, it would be great to, to know,
0: you know? Yeah, and I will definitely um, speak to people in our, our own chapter here in uh, Peterborough. I think we're going to have a, uh, Not so much a meeting during July and August, but a conversation, you know, a Zoom conversation. So I'll bring that up uh, in our July get-together.
1: Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, thank you. Happy summer to everybody. Yeah, you too. Yeah. Are you going to take... I am. I'm going to take vacation. I haven't taken vacation, Devin, in months and months, it seems. Wow. Take some vacation and... Well, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, Yeah, we're still not really doing that much. But I take some time and
0: hopefully
1: do some interesting things and maybe get out a little bit. Yeah,
0: now that things are opening up a bit. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Thanks, Kim, and have a great summer. Thanks so much. You
1: too. Yeah, We'll
0: we'll talk to you in August.
1: Okay, sounds good.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Janet. Thank you. When we had that partial lunar eclipse, I think it was a lunar eclipse, or a solar eclipse, I, anyway, an eclipse. <laughs> when we had that partial eclipse earlier in June, I thought to myself, you know, it's time to revisit a conversation that uh, we had on July 22nd of 2019 with David Mills, who is the president of the Peterborough Astronomical Association. There are lots of ways in which people with disabilities can get involved with astronomy. I am fully committed to, to collecting uh, sounds from space and making them available to people so that they can have the same kind of interest in astronomy as I have. And I'm slowly, very slowly, working on a suite of poems called the solar system and beyond at least that's the working title so you see there are lots of things that, uh, lots of ways that we can get involved with uh, astronomy and outer space as a matter of fact um, a few minutes ago we heard that uh, conversation that I had with Kim Kilpatrick about global positioning systems well up until that point that would have been the only connection I had with outer space of any kind because of course you have to look uh, for um, the signal from the uh, satellite in order to be able to use a uh, GPS like the Trekker Breeze, which I have here. So uh, that thrilled me to know when that I could do that. So anyway, here once again is our conversation with David Mills from the Peterborough Astronomical Association, which took place on July 22nd of 2019. Enjoy. And our guest this afternoon is David Mills who is the president of the Peterborough Astronomy Association. Did I get that right, David? Yes, you did. Okay. Um thank you so much for coming on the program and helping us uh, celebrate this anniversary.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Now, you've done a lot of work in astronomy, haven't you? Uh
2: yes, I have. I started in astronomy as a young child. At five years old, my dad was always interested in space and got me involved in it. And at age 14, I got my first telescope. And at age uh, 24, I was on my first science expedition to the Galapagos Islands to study and photograph Halley's Comet. And then my first science expedition in the Philippines with the Canadian Astronomy Association during total solar eclipses. Cool. That's great. Did you
0: uh, happen to uh, be involved with the last total solar eclipse? Uh Uh, A a year or so ago?
2: Uh, Yes. uh, I actually got lucky. I was down in Casper, Wyoming. Super. Down on the eclipse, and I had a uh, digital camera with a four-inch scope, and I got over 200 photos of the totality. Wonderful. And uh, you must have been real busy because that was
0: only a couple of minutes in length for the totality, wasn't it?
2: Uh, yes, it was a short one, two minutes and 40 seconds, but the atmosphere was eclectic. I met a lot of friends down there, uh, Chris Pine and a couple of other people who worked with the uh, U.S. Air Force uh, engineering divisions. I stayed with them for a couple of days and they t- took me in tours around Wyoming and met his friend, Michael, who is part of the Mount Palomar Exotourism Group in uh, California and San Diego. All right. So I made a lot of friends all over the world. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. And the reason that I
0: asked if you could come and chat with us is that uh, I, for one, am uh, really captivated by astronomy and space travel, not the uh, science fiction uh, stuff necessarily, but the um, astronomy as it is and as we're learning about it over the uh, years Mm -hmm. and space travel. However, as um, many of you will uh, know, I can't see a thing, so uh, there's no way that I'm going to be able to find out what's uh, going on up there. And uh, there are other um, reasons why other people with disabilities can't or haven't been able to use um, telescopes and that sort of thing. So um, I asked uh, David to come and chat with us about how people with disabilities can actually en- enjoy the hobby of uh, of astronomy. Um, so you were telling me uh, earlier, David, about... Um, how people with mobility impairments uh, might not be able to get up to the telescope without uh, hitting the, the tripod?
2: Uh, yes, that's correct. Uh, even uh, telescopes on pier have legs that strength, extend out a couple, several feet, and if you have a chair or a walker and you accidentally bump the scope, because these instruments have to be perfectly aligned with the Earth's polar axis, or the North Star, it can take up to 30 minutes to actually get it perfectly aligned enough that you can actually track and photograph. So any slightest bump, it can take you up to half an hour to recalibrate again. Wow. But there are uh, other options. If you can't get to the scope, you can bring the scope to you. And since you have a visual impairment to the point you can't see, modern-day telescopes, what a lot of people don't know, come with what they call onboard Astronomers, with because they're on computer-rated telescopes, they can actually talk to you and tell you what the object is that you're looking at. Cool. So even if you can't see it, you can listen about it. Yeah, that is super. Yeah. do Do they have those? Do you have those here in Peterborough? Or uh yes, actually. uh a company called Meade, they make uh, what they call computer-aided telescopes, and they, one of their more advanced series are about three dollars or $4,000 for an 8-inch. They're what they call the light star systems. They're calibrated to auto-track. Mm-hmm. But they also have an onboard speaker system that if you can't see the object properly, they can visual, auto, there's an audio recording about each one in their database. And they have about 40,000 celestial objects in their databases. Wow.
0: Oh, that is wonderful to hear. And there are also apps that you can download for uh, to find out. Uh, like if I went out on my patio and mm-hmm. wondered what was up there in the night sky, there are apps that you can uh, download, aren't there?
2: Uh, yes, there's uh, Skywalk 2, there's Sky Safari on your phones, and there's also uh, other apps, but those apps also have, if you can't, see them properly and I'm almost 60 years old so my reading distance is starting to go so I appreciate the people who have visual impairment. Though it's nice to have the ability to either include the print or have an audio uh, recording tell you what's going on. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, well that's wonderful. Um, Hopefully I can get more involved in that sort of thing. I'd really like to do that. Uh, And now um, you were also talking a little bit earlier about being able to um, watch what's happening on the screen of a laptop?
2: Uh, yes, uh, there are several cameras today that you can actually—they're fairly reasonable, hundred thousand dollars—that are called Astrocams, and you actually hook them into the back of your scope where you put the eyepiece. You, you take the pictures of what the telescope is looking at, and through a USB cable, you hook it into a laptop. So let's say it's something that we've actually talked about as a club. If we're doing a public event with a lot of kids, Mm -hmm. and a lot of young kids don't know how to hold their head exactly in the right position to see with the eyepiece, having a laptop and have a group of about 10 or 20 people watch live, what the telescope is actually seeing makes it a lot more easier and accessible than having people trying to struggle to see what they're actually seeing through the eyepiece. So it does make public events and people with mobility issues a lot easier so like i said if you can't go to the scope have a scope come to you yeah
0: that's wonderful and uh, so that that isn't something that
2: you have yet but you're thinking of it as a club uh yes uh, the technology is not cheap it's out there laptops yeah. are about 500 bucks but unfortunately the cameras alone the good quality ones are anywhere between one and three thousand dollars oh boy and um yeah, we're looking into doing that, mm-hmm. and I'm also looking at uh, trying to build an observatory here in Peterborough. Wonderful. So what I would try and do is, ideally, I've got the business plans written up, Is become a teaching observatory, mm-hmm. and exactly what we're talking about today is what I would try and incorporate into it. Uh, areas for people who have accessibility, visual impairment, and certain things, there's books in Braille, so there's nothing... Not, there's nothing saying that you can't stop you from doing it. astronomy in Braille. Mm-hmm. Or you have audio tapes that just that tell you what's going on, yeah. describe what's going on. And today in space, like space.com, all the current events of NASA, you can also have an audio tapes for those who can't see, yeah. dictate what's actually happening in space as it happens and give them play by play. Yeah. Okay.
0: Space.com. All right. That's a good thing to remember. I have checked out spaceweather.com. That's uh, an interesting uh, website. Um, But I I must check out that space.com.
2: Yeah, it gives you all the uh, current events of NASA, SpaceX... And all the different probes that are up in space right now and going on. We've got another couple of probes going to the moon in the next few months. Yeah. We've had uh, several documentaries and events on the death death dives to both Saturn and Jupiter. Ah, yes. And they've discovered life on Jupiter and there's possible life on Saturn.
0: Yes, and some of the moons of Saturn are very interesting. Um, Titan...
2: And um Enceladus, right? That's Encel- right. Titan yeah. is the largest moon in the solar system. It even dwarfs our own moon. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
0: And uh and on Enceladus they have uh temperatures of minus three hundred uh degrees uh, Fahrenheit, but they have uh hot springs gushing. Um so um scientists are quite um uh kind of uh wondering how on Earth that can be.
2: Well, there are certain certain areas around the planet. Those giants have extreme magnetic fields. Mm -hmm. And, for example, Io on Jupiter intersects the uh, Jovian magnetic field with temperatures of over a million degrees. So even though, like you said, you can have a surface temperature of over 300 below zero, um, you can also have volcanic activity, and they've actually photographed... uh, Extraterrestrial volcanoes, mm-hmm. which is p- uh, pretty interesting and gives a really good uh, dynamics on how life can evolve on planets around stars and gives us an idea of our sun's own life zone. Yes.
0: Yes. Now, um, you were mentioning uh, public events, Uh, just a little bit of a uh, sidebar here. Did you folks do anything like that to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the moon landing this past weekend?
2: Uh, No, we haven't done anything uh, like that. Uh, Canada Post has stamps out and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. but we're... International Astronomy Week and Space Week is coming up the end of August. We'll be doing a couple of schools uh, for kids 4 to 12 doing lectures for them. We've got the uh, January, July 27th we're going to be up at uh, a Town Conservation Area with uh, the Ontario Con- Regional Conservation Authority doing a special event for them. Right. And we have Armour Hill back on August the 12th for the Perseid meteor showers.
0: Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, now, uh, one uh, area that I wanted to explore with you: do, do you find or do you know whether you know checking out galaxies and the stars and and that sort of thing is a good, a therapeutic um, thing to do for uh, people maybe who are suffering from a mental
2: illness? I would say yes, mm-hmm. because. You know, looking in the cosmos, looking at the wonders of the universe, you always know, see something unique. And it also gives an idea of putting ourselves in perspective of just, as Carl Sagan said, we're just a little pale blue dot in the shores of the cosmic ocean. And it gives you an idea of just how vast and just how wondrous uh, Mother Nature can really be.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. It would certainly be something to focus on and uh, maybe by the end of your session there you could bring your own difficulties into clearer focus when you came back to Earth so to speak
2: One of the difficulties uh, coming back to Earth with the early astronauts was the gravitational effects Mm -hmm. Uh, Our bodies are designed to be under uh, gravitational stresses for our bones and everything and in the 60s even in the 50s when they orbited the Earth for the first time with the Mercury, as when they came back to Earth, their bone density changed. Wow. They started to have bone loss in their spines. Mm -hmm. So they realized that in the early days of space exploration, human beings could only be in space for a limited amount of time. Now we're able to do things a lot longer on the space station because, number one, they incorporate daily exercise, strengthening, stretching, minerals calcium mm-hmm. and trying to if you don't have a gravity you try and mimic gravity to make sure your your body maintains the proper systemic uh, calibrations uh, if you remember a while back when the Russian cosmonaut got trapped up in the original space station Russian mm-hmm. space station yeah uh, he died uh, when he came back to earth he was up there for months oh my goodness and what happened when they landed He couldn't get out of a spacecraft because his body had gotten so used to a zero environment, his muscles atrophied, and when they carried him off the spacecraft and tried to get him into a decompression chamber, his heart collapsed because his body literally, under the confines of air pressure, crushed under its own weight. Wow, isn't that something? I did not know that. Yeah, and that's one of the main things that keeping our body strengthening, keeping mimicking the gravitational effects. So. Our bodies have 15% air pressure because the atmosphere of our, our planet is 15 pounds PSI. Yeah. We don't feel it because our bodies are equal to the outside temperature or the outside pressure. Right. Uh, well, the space, you don't have that. You have no gravity and, yep. and little pressure, so they try and keep the space stations pressurized to our bodies. Then when you do spacewalks, you also have a pressurized spacesuits. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, but if you don't exercise, your, your muscles atrophy. So that's why they always have to to do treadmills, they do weights, they mimic uh, the gravitational rotation of the space station to try and mimic the Earth's gravity and maintain their muscle mass.
0: And when that uh, Russian cosmonaut was uh, trapped up there, they they didn't do things like that and they didn't have the uh, uh, pressure... um
2: uh. No, in the old in the old days, they didn't have the maneuvering room, mm-hmm. and no, they only were supposed to be up there for a two- or three-week mission, but uh. he was up there for six months, ah. and that turned out to be fatal. Right, but things have
0: come a long way since then.
2: Uh, things have come a long way that, uh, since then. We've learned a lot about how our physiology reacts to zero gravity and, and space, so... Doctors and astronauts and even cosmonauts have had to adjust their daily routines and incorporate and keep in mind that they have to stabilize their bodies under artificial gravity and artificial things to keep the bodies thinking they're on Earth, but they're not. Yeah. And that way they have a lot more stamina, a lot more endurance, and the space effects are a lot uh, minimized to a great deal. Okay. So
0: now if people... um whether they're disabled or not, wanted to uh, contact the uh, Peterborough uh, Astronomy Association mm-hmm. and find out more about your activities and, and that sort of thing and maybe ask uh, questions that are um, more questions that I, I've asked you about how people with disabilities can um, enjoy the hobby of astronomy. How would they go about contacting
2: uh, you? Uh, we have a website uh, PeterboroughAstronomy.com, and they can contact us there or myself or my own personal email and personal phone number. but that's something that we've actually started to address in our own club as our age get, all of our ages get higher our, our overall abilities get less yeah <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: Well, so, I mean, uh, it is, uh, the uh, local association is accessible, so uh, if you want to pursue this any more um, than we have here, uh, that would be great. And uh, so you can find um, the uh, website, peterboroughastronomy.com. Okay, that's great. Uh, thank you so much, David, for, uh, for being with us. Uh, on the, uh, on the uh, show, I really appreciate that. And that will just about do it for this edition of Insight Peterborough. I hope you had a, a good Canada Day and uh, that you'll have a, a good week ahead. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to having you with me next week. Until then, have yourself a good week. Bye for now.